I think it's a, I think it's amazing. I don't see it as a negative thing. I think the rest of the world needs to catch up, you know. So like everything else should be also free, <laughs> you know. It's it's just that music uh, is ahead of its time. That's the way I look at it. That's Danny G. This week I'm from the Maker to the Made podcast. listening to from the maker to the made podcast hey everybody you're very welcome back another week another podcast my name is barry power I'm a musician songwriter want to be maker of things from the maker to the made is my podcast every week i sit down with artists and creative types talk about their personal experience their process and explore what it means to be a working creative in the modern digital world. This week on the show is neo soul and funk singer Danny G. Danny is a singer, a songwriter, a flautist, a composer. He grew up playing Irish traditional music, but when he was younger, he was also heavily influenced by 60s pop music and the songs of his father, Dutch folk pop artist Shock Grunland, which I'm hoping I pronounced even close to right. Uh, he later developed a love of Motown and modern soul by finding the music of the legendary Marvin Gaye. His main output is Danny G and the Major Sevenths, but he's also a member of funk band Mob Fandango, Afro Trad Fusion Group Cheek Lynn, mixtapes from the underground, Funk Collective Sheaths Your Swords, Discovery Gospel Choir and The Gospel Project. To borrow from Danny's own definition of his music, imagine if D'Angelo was born in Limerick Grew up in Dublin listening to Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young and had a Dutch songwriter father. In the episode, we talked about the joy of Marvin Gaye, his upcoming album release, The Lookout, uh, quadruple tracking your vocals. We talked about utopia. We talked about content creation and the joy of a good font. There's a book that Danny mentions at the end of the podcast. It's called John Seabrook. <laughs> it's not called John Seabrook. The book is by John Seabrook and it's called The Song Machine. Danny's brand new single, Time the Healer, is out as of November 4th. Same day as the release of this episode. So if you're listening to this on Monday, go check it out on the platform of your choice. I have had the good fortune of having a preview listen and it sounds killer. All the links to Danny's social and all of his other relevant links to his website, etc. are all in the show notes. Um, go follow him on Instagram. His Instagram game is particularly strong. BarryPowerMusic.com is my own website. You can sign up to my mailing list there. Get my ebook where I choose to shine a light. If you're enjoying the podcast and you would like to support the making of it, there is a brand new Patreon page. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a crowdfunding membership platform that provides business tools for creators and artists to run subscription content service. Which basically means that for the price of a cup of coffee or whatever you're feeling generous enough to give, I can spend more time on the actual creation of things such as this podcast, blogs, vlogs, and of course, making music. Visit that at patreon.com forward slash power. Another big announcement this week. After what is an unfathomably long wait for me, I will be releasing my debut album of Little The Instant, early next year 
and I'm going to be putting it out in a totally alternative way through an eight-day interactive experience. To celebrate, I'm documenting all of the release preparation exclusively for the patrons on the Patreon page. I'll be sharing how I'm putting the whole album experience together. There'll be behind-the-scenes content, exclusive music, weekly live streams, and also opportunities where you can get involved with the album's release. If you'd like to be a guest or you know somebody who might be interested in coming on and talking about their experience as a creative maker of things, send me an email from themakertothemaid at gmail.com. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please feel free to share it around, comment and consider giving a positive review on iTunes. It really helps with the visibility. All of these links will be included in the show notes. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Here's Danny G. Danny G, you're very welcome to From the Maker Thank to the Main so podcast. Thank you for Thanks inviting. for coming out on Saturday night and it's almost freezing outside. Most Saturday nights I'm in bed right now, uh, like watching Netflix or something. So <laughs> this is a welcome change. That's the rock and roll lifestyle yeah, right there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and um, kind of particularly when you might have taken ownership of, of music? So when you kind of... Um, you know realized was there a time where you realized that you could write or you could use it for yourself um i started playing irish music i, I grew up playing tin whistle and the flute just because uh, one of my friends was doing it <laughs> um and it was kind of a social thing and i think at the age of maybe 12 or 13 um i started writing my own trad tunes on the flute not really, it wasn't really a conscious decision because when I'm thinking about it now, it's like the whole thing about trad is that it it's not new. It, it just exists. I mean, for the most part, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people writing 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 new stuff. But you know, when you go to the festivals and you go to lessons, it's like you're learning tunes that are hundreds of years old. Yeah, yeah. Often, uh, I started playing my own ones on the flute. Maybe that was the first time. Um. And then my brother Paddy, um, shout out to Paj, Paj Music, he started playing guitar when he was, he's a year and a half older than me, when he was 15 maybe, and he taught me a few chords, and at that point I was just a Beatles fanatic, it's a Beatles, Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I was, I was yeah. in this uh, kind of late 60s, early 70s, uh, like, obsession, and that music is very much, especially with the Beatles, it's very, there's a lot of emphasis on the fact that they wrote their own songs. You know, a lot of the yeah. the Beatles kind of story is about that, you know, songwriting. So it seemed like a natural thing to do. Uh, so I just started writing my own rubbish songs in my room. And was it easy? Did it come natural when you started or you didn't really think about it too much? Um, It, it kind of, it, it came quite naturally um, because I wasn't, I, d I wasn't really rating it. I didn't think anyone would hear it. So <laughs> uh, I, remember, I still remember the first song I wrote. It's called The Ocean. Uh, it was like two chords. Um, I mean, don't knock two chords. My latest tune is also two chords. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was kind of a maybe Cat Stevens-y. I, I, can, I can even remember the tune I was ripping off. It was like The Wind by Cat Stevens. The, the ocean, the wind. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I wasn't even trying. Like, um, but then, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think I, I didn't write songs again for 
I went to college. I, I joined a band. I was always in bands as as like the backing singer or the guitar player. Yeah. Um, and I never really started singing properly until maybe maybe my mid twenties. So was that kind of more your education into music? Your way in was through the actual experience of playing in bands, or did you? Yeah, well, I, 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 our dad is actually a, a singer, singer songwriter. His name is Jack Grunland. Um, shout out to Jack. He uh, he had it like a minor hit. Uh, well, maybe well, it wasn't minor. I don't know. In the early nineties in Belgium, Belgium in the Netherlands. Um, he's he's Dutch. Uh, he translated the song from a distance. Um, oh yeah, the Fat Middler one. Is uh, yeah, I I can't remember who wrote it first. There's there's thousands of versions with, from a distance. Da, na, na, na. He translated into Dutch. Yeah. Um, and he was always singing songs to us when we were. We were kids, so it actually, we knew that they were his songs, on some sort of even though we right, were just, right, right, you, you knew they were his, like even as 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 babies, because um, yeah, and it just seemed like a natural thing. I I only just actually realized that now <laughs> now that I'm saying it, that it was just always a thing. I suppose it probably came from him. Yeah, just wow, singing songs to us. That's so cool. So you had like music at home. You know, all the time then. Yeah, like well, with your brother and your dad. And yeah, it's it's funny. We all turned out to be musicians. Um, my older brother is a musician as well, and um, kind of just happened kind of naturally. We didn't. Uh, I, I suppose there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah. So it's like it seemed normal that there's singing all the time at home. So I, I have two kids myself, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to make a conscious decision to always be singing in the house. Yeah. Just to. Just to maybe pass it, that on a it bit. Tra- yeah, it, tra- it transfers quite easily. I found with my own with my own kids that uh, you just you can't help being a musician, you know, yeah. around and they do they do pick it up. You know, yeah. it was it was similar for me growing up because my mother was a musician. Oh, too. really? Yeah, okay. she's a piano player. Okay. Uh, so, I think it's I think it's there. Once it's there, it's great because you know, kids have no inhibitions and they just start singing along or yeah, um, change the words. You know, it's. Just, that's already like my, my daughter's four, my older daughter's four, and she's already changing the words to songs, which is kind of. And it's really easy and they have like authority to do that. They, you know, yeah, they're not yeah. thinking about, oh, I, I can't do this because somebody will hear it or they don't have those hang ups. A few months ago, she told me to sing a song and she was going to sing another song at the same time. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it was, blew my mind. That's um, cool. And we were singing these totally different songs, like they're both Disney songs, you know. Uh, at the same time, I think for about a minute we kept it up, and you know she was really concentrating. <laughs> it's like I think it was probably my proudest moment as a dad. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. My daughter is really into Bohemian Rhapsody at the moment. She, wow. Well, she saw. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, there's a story behind this because um, she asked me what kind of movies did I like when I was a kid, and I said, "Oh, well, I, I watched Wayne's World when I was a kid." And the bit in Wayne's World where they start singing along to right. Bohemian Rhapsody in the car and they're all like doing the headbanging bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was just like hilarious. And both my kids got into it. And since then, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody is on repeat in the car now. Wow. And just so they can bang their heads at them. I need to get some tips afterwards from you. Oh, it's, I don't know how it happened. Because <laughs> we're blasting like Frozen and, and shit like that. Oh, there is loads of Frozen too. There's loads of Frozen and loads of Disney stuff. Yeah. But just it just happened to stick recently 
and uh, you kind of forget what an amazing song oh, Rhapsody yeah. is masterpiece and, and what a bonkers song really it's totally nuts how it, how it got so famous <laughs> for such an odd it's so weird yeah yeah. But anyway, let's go back to uh, your own process of songwriting. Um, you said right. in your kind of mid twenties, you, you'd had a lot of experience in bands. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was, I was kind of, I was always co-writing, um, and into kind of rock and and uh, kind of sixties pop and rock and stuff like that. And then I kind of had this eureka moment when I heard Marvin Gaye. My my older brother Tim had a Marvin Gaye record. And it just blew my mind. Uh, I think I just listened to his What's Going On for uh, maybe I was 18 or 19. I just listened to that on repeat and it just kind of changed everything. I just kind of went down this Motown rabbit hole and just yeah, like, because yeah. it had the, the songwriting of of the Beatles, say that like, you know, um, uh, like short songs that, that tell this whole story, really melodic. Yeah. Um, the, the whole kind of Beatles approach but also really groovy you know yeah that's what hit me he exactly. was on that album yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that's phenomenal um, yeah so you started writing in a more kind of soulful style yeah it didn't actually um, it didn't it didn't uh, I didn't think about it in terms of writing for, for another few years because I, wa- I wasn't really writing at that point I mean I was always jotting things down but I never really thought about um songs until um i went to college in minute and i met a group of lads um <laughs> we're studying classical music okay yeah in, in nui minute and we formed a funk band <laughs> naturally as you do yeah <laughs> um it was it was a great it was just a, a really lucky kind of um scene to be a part of it was like eight or nine uh musicians who it was kind of a very open almost like a collective um very open kind of scene and they were encouraging me to write yeah I was, I was singing harmonies and playing flute like I was playing trad flute solos in the songs um, and yeah I just wrote a few soul tunes kind of for, for that band and, it, and writing brass and everything and it was like this is kind of that was a learning experience that's fantastic to yeah. actually have you know other people to bounce those kind of ideas off yeah and really really receptive because I was in this rock band when I was when I was in school and um, I tried to bring one song once, like an early song, but I, I didn't know how to sing yet. And uh, the other singer in the band was an amazing voice. It was Richard Farrell, um, incredible uh, blues voice. And it was just so different and it was kind of pathetic in comparison. And the guys were like, no, that's not that's not good. And I just didn't sing again for, for like years. I yeah, that's so cool. Uh, but but they were they were right. Like well, I, I know, yeah, I, but know. it's like it's a fragile thing <laughs> when you, um, uh, especially in your first few efforts of songwriting. You know, yeah. when you bring it to people and they shoot it down, it can be really. Oh, but, but they were really they were right. You know, it was, I wasn't ready. Uh, you know, and I didn't know how to sing yet. And then it took years of singing harmonies to to kind of uh, and and like watching other people and just performing. Yeah. So was there a moment then where you're like, okay, I'm ready to. I'm ready to kind of take it on board myself when, now. Yeah, when that band broke up, um, just no other reason, just everyone dripped, drifting apart too many, like a 10-piece band, just couldn't, <laughs> uh, obviously not making any money. Yeah. Um, I had that kind of gap in my life where it's just, 
okay, and now, now I'm not doing any music, so I kind of just have the idea to make my own band because I had all these songs kind of piling up. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was kind of kind of ballsy thinking about it now. I kind of just headhunted um, a bunch of musicians that I didn't know. <laughs> I found this uh, this hip hop drummer. I was like, I need this guy to be in my band, uh, Dennis Cassidy. And then I, I saw um, there's this funk band playing, The Candidates. Um, at the time, it's about ten years ago now, or maybe eight or nine years ago. Graham Heaney. It's like, oh, this guy. He needs to be my bass player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Taylor on keys. I was kind of afraid of asking him because he was this. He's a incredible jazz piano player, and it turns out he loves pop music and stuff. So it was like. Yeah, I think I think the jazz is sometimes kind of you can kind of feel a little bit, you know, standoffish in in that. But it's like you know, music is music, and I mean, I know that now. But the first few rehearsals, I was like, you know, almost afraid of of showing them, you know, all the guys like it. But yeah, now I just have that approach. Like, it's it's all it's all music. So, so what's your what does your songwriting process look like now? Oh, it's, it's, it's different. Like the, the, now that I have kids, it's, it's totally different. Um, I, I snatch moments here, here and there, you know? Yeah. Were you, like, were you able to be more prolific beforehand? Or were like, were you yeah, good at sitting and down to write? And- I'd sit down and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd map out the whole demo on, on GarageBand or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and do out the whole song, you know, verse, chorus, harmonies here, bridge, like work it all out. Now I just do that in my head and voice notes. Yeah. And God uh, bless voice notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just bring it to bring it to the guys. I kind of know it's it's a it's a it's a good situation because I know what they'll sound like playing it. So yeah. I don't really need to make the demo anymore. If, if oh, I'm, that's really cool. So you kind of you know how their approach will be. And do you give them? Do you give them a lot of uh, rain to? I mean, Other parts, or are you kind of strange about the, not at all. Your vision. The, the 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 notes I gave are are like these are the chords. Uh, this is kind of the the tempo, and that's it. You know. Yeah, you let them do their. Yeah, because they know the vibe. Like they know. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, this this is kind of a a neo soul thing. So. Yeah. They're really familiar with the genre and and really sensitive musicians. So it's kind of I'm just lucky to be surrounded by by these kind of dudes um that i don't have to try and explain and is it like is it easy now to, to come up with with music I not mean, in terms of time but like you know in I've, terms of what you're writing i've i've kind of it might sound weird but i've kind of put a block on myself <laughs> in writing because i'm i'm in this um releasing mode oh yeah yeah, you know? yeah. uh like <laughs> it's funny because uh we used to live in this, um, my, my dad was, was kind of jammy and he, he was living in this big Nama house and he kind of made a studio, you know, sort of like this, uh, in, in, in the shed. And oh, cool. I recorded the first album there and we just did the whole thing there um, w- with the band playing everything, backing singers. Uh, and this time I'm kind of trying to, I'm doing it in my, my friend's bedroom and I might get it one day in a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know so, that feeling. Uh, so the, the last time we just knocked it out in a month or so it was done yeah um, maybe that's exaggerating this time it's taken like I, I didn't do anything for about maybe a year maybe a year and a half 
uh, when my first my first daughter was born, it was just like there's no time. And at a certain point, it's just like okay, I'm gonna explode here if I don't uh, record something. Uh, so, and it was was it a conscious decision to do you know do it kind of in in your own spaces or do you know and not use like full studio setups or? It's just necessity. I don't think there's any proper way. It's like where you can, when you can, <coughs> you know, whatever yeah, situation know. you have. Like if you can do it in your bedroom, amazing, you know. Um, the kind of thing I'm going for, I need a, uh, I need the guys to be playing together. I mean, I, I suppose I don't, but I don't know. Well, the vibe is head. different, yeah. If you're multi-tracking or if you're... We, we um, the, all these tracks were recorded um the guide tracks in 2015 this is Be- of your latest yeah 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 because okay. um my dad was told okay uh, this house is being sold now you've like a, a month to leave okay and so i was like oh, i need to use this studio space so i wrote uh i had a few songs i wrote the rest in like whatever five days it was just a, a kind of deadline I so did the deadline work for you because we've talked about deadlines on the podcast yeah yeah yeah, yeah um are you talking to was it jennifer to- about that yeah varying degrees of success yeah some people dig them and some people don't yeah it was it um, was like but you got an album out of it from it was backs against the wall kind of stuff it was like okay you you can either uh have this studio for free you know um, yeah and it needs to be done this month or else you're going to pay hundreds of thousands maybe elsewhere you yeah. Know? yeah yeah and it was those were the options so it was like okay just do it I recorded i think 12 or 13 tracks guide, just guide tracks some some of the songs like the guys had never heard them before they were just playing from lead sheets <laughs> so it's actually kind of re- remarkable that that uh that that they just but you would so have them fairly well formed you know on the lead sheets anyway mm, yeah 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 and they're, they're 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 good enough that they can just do that um but but uh, some some of them just like I was singing nonsense words over it. The words weren't finished. Like, yeah. Or I just make up the bridge on the spot. Um. So it was yeah. It was deadlines. Deadlines are are amazing because otherwise you just you just overthink or procrastinate. And it's like, yes. Yeah. I've I've a love hate relationship yeah. with deadlines myself. I record yeah. it, and you can always change it. You can always remove this part or yeah. add another part later. So just just do it, and you'll know then. You know when you record it, you'll know listening back. Oh, this. This won't work. Or the, Are you sure. good at finishing things then? Are you good at drawing a line and saying, this is ready, let's go? Or do you find Yeah, you? it's that's a funny a funny thing. Like for the first album, I, I wasn't at all. I was like, I can't. It's not, this this needs to be changed. Uh, you know, this needs to be changed. Tweaking it here and there. But I was too close to it that I couldn't, I wasn't objective anymore. Um, because I finished these songs so long ago, for the for the most part, I've kind of got a distance now, which is like, yeah, I, I would recommend yeah, to anyone. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe you don't have the luxury of... of, of but um, I'm in a similar <laughs> situation because I started my album in 2011. Wow. And through, you know, all these other things, it was just bits here and bits there. It's it's finished. It's coming out in February of next Amazing. year. Okay. You um, are D'Angelo, basically. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm like more like uh, that Guns N' Roses album that was like could be a total disaster. But I know what you mean. It, just about being more objective about, 
you know, those songs feel like they're kind of older songs, even though there'll be new songs yeah. on an album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can look at them differently and you can, and you can kind of. I almost quit. feel they're, they're not mine anymore. They're, they're just songs I've recorded. Yeah. So it's not a personal attachment to, oh, what will people think of, of this or. Yeah. Not to say they weren't personal at the time you made exactly, them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're te- very personal, deeply personal, but um, they don't feel like that anymore. It's just like, so you can kind of look at it as almost someone else's project that you're uh, arranging, you know, this is the way. The way yeah, yeah. It. And that, that can help, though, because you get more of an overview and you might have a part that you're mixing that you're really attached to because, you know, maybe you, you, you sang it a certain way. Yeah. But you you might have forgotten that in terms of mixing then later on and go, well, we can get rid of that now. I'm bad for that. I got I got severe demoitis. I just get attached to these little things. Um, the guy I'm working with, Ken McCabe, he is brilliant for that. He'll, he'll just tell me, no, cut that. Is he a producer? Yeah, 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 yeah. He he, he was part of the, the funk band, College Mob Fandango, uh, bass player. He also played with uh, Come On Live Long. Um, and he at the moment he's he's producing he's, he's just got a great ear um, and because he's my friend he'll tell me straight you know well like, that's this, really good that's really work. important like like chop it like <laughs> yeah um, or you can do that again do it better you know because because I'm recording with him as well yeah I'm I, I'm a sucker for that it's like yeah it'll be fine it'll be cool you know I definitely yeah. need somebody to help me go is that no <laughs> you, you know do it again do it better yeah we're 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 triple tracking all the vocals wow um and there are a lot of harmonies so we might spend one day just a full day just doing vocals for one tune uh but it's very rewarding at the end of the day yeah triple tracking is that's tough yeah it's 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 funny it's actually really uh he's got we've kind of got a a process nailed down Mm -hmm. where he loop the part and it's just okay you sing it uh, maybe you loop a, a thir- like a, a verse yeah and you just sing the verse sing it eight times or something and then he'll take the best three takes uh, but you have to sing and it exactly the same it because yeah. you know you're triple tracking it you want it to sound like, like the same uh, yeah. yeah it's basically um, my favourite singer that's that's alive now I suppose is D'Angelo and I found out that he quadruple tracks his really <laughs> we didn't go wow. that far um, I was but you can hear it's this deep kind of sound. It almost sounds like a, an instrument. It's not like a lot of like my first album, the vocal jumps out. It's like this is the lead vocal. Yeah. Um, listen to this, you know, whereas I, I wanted it to be more kind of you can listen to this if you want, but it's just another instrument in the groove, you know. Right. Yeah. So it's more it's more like the groove is king and then the vocal is just there. And if you want to jump into it, you can, you can, but it's not too loud. It's not too in front. Or yeah. It's not too quiet, but because it's triple tracked, it's, it's like strong. Was there a particular reason why you went that way to try and kind of blend it, your voice m- more into the? I suppose I, I had this kind of realization or, or ask myself a question. What, what's more important, the, the groove or what do I enjoy when I listen to music? Is it the overall sound or the groove, the way it makes me feel? Or is it yeah. the, the vocal? And it, it was like for years, I never even listened to words. I never, I never thought they were important. I was just like, okay, this sounds good. 
and then only later when I got really attached to the song I was like oh yeah that's what he's saying there you know yeah um, so do you find you don't really struggle with lyrics then or it's funny <coughs> it, it, because I only I only write when I when I have something to say or when something affects me like my, mm-hmm. well with the first album it was kind of a breakup album so it all it flowed very naturally it was all like yeah. some angry songs just came out um, with this one it's like a it's a bit more varied it's like one of them's kind of uh, about the the ecology and the planet and then another one's about a friend's relationship and another one I'm kind of apologizing uh, to my wife and then they're all things that I I've experienced or that I care about so it's it's um it comes kind of naturally um but because I'm not make because I'm I have a a, a day job I'm not making myself right every day you know i don't yeah. i'm not putting that pressure on myself so so when it comes it comes and i it's so you find it's, it kind of easy to take time off and come back to it later on yeah 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 because it's because it's not frequent i suppose yeah you know uh, like we were saying before before we went on on um on air <laughs> yeah hit the record but um that you have when you're working on a, a day job that has nothing to do with music you you find you're well, well I, I'm, I'm much more creative or I don't have that um like I don't know I, I, it's funny I'm saying this now because I'm trying to transition into into the wedding band business you know I'm trying to I'm trying yeah. to get into that um I, I, I just had a kind of moment of realization I know some of, people will talk after <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nice um but when when you come home you sometimes you don't have energy for to for music at all well this is it yeah so it's like you have this there's a there's a balance obviously um the the good thing is that i'll I'll organize a studio date say a month in advance so i have a whole month to think and i'm thinking about it like when i'm walking to work and back every day like when i'm at work i'm like yeah uh, so when i go in there it's like there's no messing about it's not oh i'll try this i'll try this like i know exactly what i'm doing yeah and I'll, I'll just record it and this is the harmony and this is this and it's going to finish here or it's going to fade out and this is you know the brass goes here it's like it's all sorted um, yeah the more pre-production you, you can do the better do you know the more the more you have going into a studio yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's just uh it's because because I'm, it's almost like this is my reward for for working yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> that's cool yeah i mean yeah so you you'd kind of you you'd prefer to be kind of full-time musician i think so i yeah it's i mean everyone's everyone's situation is different for for me I, i'd like to see more of my kids during the day you know and i'd like to help out my wife more and she, maybe she could she could do something else you know during the day she's looking at the two kids at home and when i come home it's like please take these children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they're wrecking my head. Um, so it's like, I'm full-time work. I come home. I have about two or three hours with the kids before they go to bed. And then if I do music stuff, it's it's after that. Or yeah. or I have to take a day off work, you know. Um, so yeah, everyone's situation is different. For, for me, what my ideal thing would be to have two or three maybe corporate gigs or something like this is, I don't know, a week. I don't know if that's even. Yeah. Well paid gigs. Yeah. yeah. And then I could have free time to work on, on music. I could spend more time with my kids. 
So, yeah, like, as an originals artist, then, you know, how do you find, how do you navigate that? That do you find it's like, well, I could never, I can't just jump ship from my job, obviously, because you've yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of my decisions are dominated by fear, like for the past uh, four or five years, and I've just kind of realized that and I'm trying to get out of it. Basically. But I, I suppose what I, what I'm kind of driving at is, you know, can you can you see a time where you as an originals artist where you can run it as a as a small business maybe and make a career from it is it something you want is it i don't think it's i'm not i'm not even thinking about that as a realistic option <laughs> i know people have yeah. done it and i especially with like spotify streams and and uh, and things like that and and there are all these courses online courses like um there's one who uh, i can't even remember what it's called but she's a mum of five or something she's like i don't tour uh, oh yeah, I don't this, gig, this is this the uh, but I the savvy musician. That's her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a but I make so and so. I make this amount of money, uh, you know, every month just from streams or, or selling merch. Yeah, selling CDs or whatever. Um, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of things online. Like like it can be done. Um, and I suppose everyone's just trying to find out how. You know, no one really knows. They're all they're all trying different things. So it's kind of exciting. Um, maybe stream streams is. I mean, you, you have to, you're talking about millions of streams, so you kind of have to be lucky or get on some playlist, but it's not, it's not something kind of tangible that you can, there's no sort of career path that you can follow. Um, so I don't even think about it like that. Yeah. I think about it as a, just a, a really professional hobby, you know, um, and something that gives me satisfaction and, you know, purpose, you know, more, more so than this is my, my job, you know. Yeah, well, like I suppose why I ask is I'm 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 curious why what other musicians and artists think about, you know, think about this word career in terms of their artistry, and you know is it is it possible and can you do it, and some people are just in it for for the art and it's fine, and then some people want to transfer, to you know yeah. to make money out of it and it. And then money seems like a dirty word. Then, when it comes to your art, it's like I shouldn't be selling my art. And I think it's just such a an an area that nobody really comes together on, and there's no set kind of yeah. outlook for it. I suppose in terms of when you compare it to other careers. And um, yeah, well, I'm curious music about to that. Other, well, the, the thing about music is that it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I might be going on a hot take here, but I, I, I think in the future that money won't exist at some point. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be in our lifetime or not, but they're already talking about like universal basic income and, and you know. Yes, so I heard that. That's yeah. like the next step after that is like no money, you know, like we already have all the resources on the planet we need. We Money only kind of hinders us. Well, with everything being automated as well, like I mean, jobs Automation, are... exactly. Like if you, yeah, yeah. So there's going to be a lot of people with no jobs. They're going to have to find some way to, to eat, uh, to live. Um, so the so, artists will have the jump on them because we'll have to. Well, well the, sorry, the point of, uh, uh, of that, I suppose, is that money is already there. Money is kind of in the future already because people don't pay for it. Yeah. So it's kind of the only art form that is free now. I mean, you could say movies maybe are, but most people don't 
pirate movies it's kind of it's not convenient well, yeah i think i think music <laughs> uh, the music industry missed a beat do you know, well obviously you know you've got spotify and streaming and stuff but i think know? it's a, i think it's amazing i don't see it as a negative thing i think the rest of the world needs to catch up you know so like everything else should be also free <laughs> you know yeah it's, th- it's just that music uh, is ahead of its time that's the way i look at it so, well, yeah i don't know if i'd agree with you if i'd agree with you it's there con- it's controversial uh, I, I i know <laughs> well no not like i mean obviously a world without without money down the line where we have kind of a utopia where everyone kind of just goes and does their thing yeah imagine how good it would be you can make music all day or you know learn a language or uh you know do anything paint go swimming yeah record music <laughs> but arguably you could probably do that anyway you, well the For thing is the thing time. is you, you you really can't now you you you, ha- you have to kind of some like a lot of artists now like don't and it's just a struggle um you kind of have to submit to this monetary system you know you have to work you have to pay rent like you know, i mean look at dublin at the moment uh the the cost of living are just crazy you know like uh, well this is true yeah and that's you know what what's what is the alternative to like they make it easy for you with the nine to five thing like okay you're gonna get paid monthly you know you just have to basically wake up at this time every day and go there you know yeah. it's like <laughs> you have to submit to this uh, you know you have to force feed yourself in the morning uh travel half asleep to some place you know uh be there for eight hours nine hours doing this repetitive thing so when you're when you're working your day job like i mean i see it as how often do you find you drift off into wishing you were doing your i i kind of i just see it as a necessary step i'm like okay uh you know it's funny it's a cliche You, you have this kind of when you become a parent you have this kind of responsibility uh it's not it's not even that you 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 feel like oh i'm you just like okay now I have to provide for these p- two people. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> who are helpless I know that feeling, and can't yeah. uh, feed themselves. Um, so it's it's kind of a necessary. Uh, just okay, I have to go here every day to make money to do this. Like, you know. Yeah. But because it's because I'm so busy at home, I haven't really thought about other ways of doing that. So, um, like, I, I mean, I know. Some musicians sell merchandise. Um, like what you're doing here is amazing. The podcast, like uh, like kind of side things, uh, like creating, I suppose, content, like <laughs> regular content. Well, yeah, I think like, I mean. Th- there's other ways to do it. Uh, the content thing is, I, I know people look at like content as a, as a kind of a dirty word yeah 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 it's I like, know you're cringing even saying but, it <laughs> well when you think of content you think of like well here's something that's throwaway and you know like it's a, you like a post with, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. done and it's and what I really struggle with is obviously you need to be on the ball with social media and I just struggle with kind of normal posts and stuff so I had to come at it from a different angle so I started writing blogs because I wanted to kind of get my own viewpoint across. Mm. And then the podcast was a kind of a natural follow on from from blogging. So okay. it was kind of my way into social media. Right. So, okay. do you know, so I'm, I'm bad at Instagram, but I'm good at like, do you know, 
making <laughs> making a long winded conversation just, yeah. about uh, about art and creativity and so. My wife is a is a an, an Instagrammer. Um, she has a blog, uh, like a fashion blog for for mums, uh, uh, like products for babies and you know stuff like that. Um, and she's really good at it. And <laughs> uh, she kind of told me to, she, you know, do this with your Instagram. Uh, so I'm just kind of copying her. Uh, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. But it's 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 a, uh, I'm almost, it's uh, like autopilot. It's like when I'm in lunch in work, I I don't take my lunch with other people. I yeah. talk to them. I update my, you know, I I thank people who played my song on the radio. Yeah. Or I uh whatever it is that day that's my time to do it because when i'm at home i don't i won't have time well it's like i mean like your wife is a is an instagrammer so you know she's obviously going to help you there yeah yeah i mean she was she she was like never use a photo that's not uh taking my camera uh make your your feed have some sort of overall Look, uh, yeah. yeah, like all these things that I'd never considered before. She told me to delete all my old ones. And <laughs> well, the other thing I think is that for me, a good way into um, being a little bit more prolific musically was to do different kind of different artistic things, I suppose. And I think um, I think you can find creativity in like it's all over your kind of social presence or your digital presence. Yeah. Do you know, if you're making a website, I was having a conversation with my brother um, and we were talking about fonts, do you know? And the, if you look into the history of fonts. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's really I mean, important it's actually. Really, it's really creative yeah. though. It's really like, wow, do you know, it's, what was he saying? He said, somebody, somebody described it like having a really posh wine glass. Do you know, it's the wine glass is not the important thing. It's the wine that's in the glass that you want people to come away with. And the font kind of is the same. It's not the the packaging of the words. It's yeah. the words and what they mean. So what gets your words across? What kind of package? Not package. What kind of look do they have? Yeah, presentation. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. So I spent, an, I spent a couple of hours on fonts on my website the other day. And I was like, this is annoyingly cool and very nerdy yeah 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 but um, website making is so nerdy you just get into it like well i'm talking squarespace website making not like oh, uh, yeah, wordpress yeah, yeah, you know no, i don't i don't have any skills i just copy templates and try to but, make but it when you get into it and you kind of have that mindset that like you know i'm going to build i'm going to build my website i'm going to build like more of a presence online in whatever way you can like mm. all the, the branding for the podcast and all yeah i did all that and you have to research it and all but i think i think if you can find the creativity in it then it it will help your your artistry yeah, exactly yeah whereas if you come at it going i have to do the social media i have to do the online and it's like this is not me this is not who i want to be yeah do you know because my music should speak for itself and it's like well of course it should I had that, if, that was, if that nobody's a mistake I made before yeah but if nobody's paying attention or listening to you exactly then how is the music going to speak to them do you know you have to we made we made our EP in uh, Malfa Nango in 2011 and we put so much work into it uh, money into recording everything and then 
we kind of were very naive about it. We thought, oh, if the music is good, uh, like yeah, it'll go viral great. and <laughs> people will, will like it. Uh, but no, turns out, uh, and the first time I found out, like, oh, actually, you have to pay loads of money, uh, you know, and you're talking to to PR companies, they're like, yeah, you need to if you if it's an album, it needs to be at least a grand for like the Irish media to pay attention to it. Uh, that kind of blew my mind. I was really cynical about that, like, even for a few years. And now it's just like, oh, okay, that's just how it works. You know? But like, you even have to look further than that. Is like, what, what is attention really going to get you? Do you know? Say, yeah. for example, if you had the goal of I want to leave my job and and work at this full time, like a lot of blog reviews and a lot of people listening, doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be rolling in money to, yeah, exactly. to and not even rolling in money but you won't you wouldn't be in a position to leave your job yeah. still yeah even if you're like have tv appearances and stuff yeah Do you know and i think uh i you know, i think the way forward personally is you know the do-it-yourself kind of yeah definitely you know yeah, be your definitely. own label figure yeah. out how to do that yeah and uh because there's definitely there's definitely people it's the long the long game yeah but there's you know i'm i'm pretty sure there's people a lot smarter than me doing doing music but i'm also sure that there's people that aren't as smart as me doing music and you know they're setting up record labels and stuff and i was like well you know if it's just a matter of sitting down and working it out and spending a few hours on it then then i feel it's worth it i think it's great because it forces you to, to to learn all these new skills yeah, and take take a bit of I suppose take responsibility for your own, you know. Yeah, but people still output. need a still need a, a sort of a, a a gate a gateway. So whatever that or a filter, whatever that is. So if it's Facebook or Instagram or some something else that, uh, or the, like you know it used to be the radio. Yeah, you know, yeah. Now, now it's it could be anything I suppose like uh, so many places to to go. There's, there's no one way, you know, there's. Yeah, there's lots of ways. And I think um, the great thing about it now is it, it really is the universal leveler. You know, I mean, yeah, whatever kind of music you make, there's an audience of people that like that kind of music and you have a direct channel to find in those people. Say like through, I don't know, through targeted Facebook ads and things, you can reach the people or even Facebook groups. Do you know, I'm sure it's like yeah. if you made, I don't know, music with bicycle chains, there's some group out there going to like musical chain bicycle group. I know. I'm in, I'm in like a hundred neo soul or funk groups on, on Facebook, but I, I'm st- I'd still be really hesitant to drop my track in there and say, Hey, I made this, you know, but like uh, they're the people they're like, even they're though they, crew, if they know? might dig it, you know, I, I'd still be, uh, I just have this, I don't know, maybe it's an Irish thing where we're just like afraid to, uh, you know, yeah, well, I think I think the, you know you're afraid of kind of being a bit spammy with, with them. Hey, check yeah, me out! Yeah, I never yeah, post yeah. on the group, but I am now. Here's my song. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Or um, it's just uh, maybe it's just a, the the culture, because in America they've no problem with that. It's like, this is me. I'm here. Check yeah, me out, you know, yeah. You know, which is great. You know, you have to kind of have that attitude. Um. Well, that, well, that was part of the reason for starting a podcast like this. So. You could kind of, I suppose people could get to know what you're about through not 
you know just spamming them and saying yeah. <laughs> it's like hey check out yeah my, it's uh, brilliant i mean I, I i found that's how i found out about it. i heard i heard your podcast and i i hit you up yeah yeah well there you go it works uh, you yeah. see <laughs> the most long-winded ad campaign ever <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant it's 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 kind of the future of of uh i mean it's it's long form you can control what 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 it there's no format well that, that, that's a cool thing actually because no matter you you could say something in a podcast and you think oh maybe i shouldn't have said that or that's not that's not great and then you think you know what it's my own podcast yeah you know, exactly it's not it. like it's not like <laughs> you, know? you don't have to reach the chorus in 30 seconds you don't have to keep it three minutes for the radio yeah you don't have it, to it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't make it to the end but you might just like catch 20 minutes on your way to work that's cool and yeah. if if it's informative and it helps somebody out that's even better. Yeah, know? I found them really, especially uh, Tommy's one where he's talking about uh, songwriting and and writing blocks and and uh, Sive and her rant. Her rant is great as well. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, but <laughs> this is it. Like, I mean, I'm learning. I'm learning all these things from from all these artists, and they're, they're, you know, and yourself. You know, you it's so generous of your time to come and. Oh, talk about your experience it's, it's, this is therapy this is free therapy for <laughs> <laughs> go for a rant go go yeah yeah um so yeah anyway um back to back to the songwriting Respected processing songwriting. yeah so i've kind of put a block on it now because i've I'm, I'm like engaging the other side of my brain which is finish recording release it promote it so this is a full album yeah so and I've it'll got, be out yeah it's going to be called the lookout um, it was supposed to be out. I mean, I'm not going to say it was supposed to be. It's just when it's when it's done, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm doing it song by song. So I've got five songs completely finished. Three of which I've released as singles. Um, the next single is out uh, next week. Or if you're listening to this next week now. <laughs> it's called Time to Healer. Uh, this would be... That's November 4th, it's out. Link will be in the show notes. <laughs> I'm awful. Um yeah so that i've kind really of got this timing. this promoting hat on where i'm just like emailing radio emailing yeah blogs uh you know doing that thing you know um so it's just kind of songwriting it's like it's like uh okay that's done and i'm not gonna allow myself to to write any new songs even i, I catch myself singing stuff and I'll, I'll record it yeah I'll record oh that'll be a good a good hook or something just record it I'm not even gonna listen to it again. It's I've I've a, I've I've a, just a file full of yeah for later demos, not even demos like riffs, hooks, choruses, yeah, even just names of songs, and I'm just not even gonna touch it. And then when I'm when I'm ready, when this is finished, I'm gonna just jump in. That's the plan. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So I'm kind of so when you hopefully gonna, when, when's, when's the album. Um, I'd say it'll be probably another six months, maybe let's say eight months. The songs are, are like ninety nine percent done. They just need to be uh, vocals recorded and mixed. That's, yeah, you know. And then so you kind of think more releasing closer to the finishing time of. Yeah, I mean, when it's finished, then give myself a few months to release it. You know, I don't want to put a date because there's no point in putting any pressure on myself to finish it because yeah. then it'll be like oh i didn't make it uh no one is like uh you know waiting by the calendar for it anyway so well, it's just it. me yeah. so it's it's fine it's when it's finished it's finished you know um 
and it seems to be that the idea or the the smart thing to do these days is just to release song by song by song by song until you've got you know 10 songs and then that's the album that seems to be the way yeah people do it um this is kind of a fully formed album already uh and and i'm just dropping a few singles from it i suppose that's the way i'm doing it so yeah uh it's a bit more out it's called the 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 lookout because it's it's the first album was kind of a self-absorbed uh breakup album and then this is kind of you know outward yeah uh, songs are more about other other people and the world as opposed to you know just me cool i want to look so forward that's, to that's it the, that's the vibe yeah and i've i've kind of gone gone fully on the on the features vibe as well i've been collaborating with a lot of people um <coughs> well that's another thing about like you know being digitally creative is that you know you can work with anybody in in the world really yeah it's 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 wild isn't it uh the, the first song i released say when last year um last october now uh, well um i did it with a french artist called osma jam and i actually hadn't met her uh i just found her she had a blog called french soul is not dead uh, and she she was writing about french r&b and soul music cool um and i was like finding all these great french soul artists from her blog and i only realized afterwards that she also was a singer i mean maybe it should have been obvious but and she did she had this amazing album uh and i just emailed her and said would you be up for for collaborating we just did everything by email so she recorded her parts there wow sent them over i just asked her to triple track them so they'd so, so it would sound kind of not quadruple track co- coherent in the mix you know yeah uh, and then she's she like nailed it and put changed everything and did all her own harmonies and just came back with this amazing <laughs> that is so cool uh, version yeah it's 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 amazing like it's i suppose it could have happened uh years ago i remember i remember being amazed when i heard that um was it Catatonia or something? That's tune of Tom Jones or Stereophonics in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, he had like a whole collaborations, and they did it in different continents. And I remember being amazed by that. Uh, but now it's like totally normal. <coughs> yeah, now it's you know, it's accessible to anybody. Yeah, you know, you can just reach out and. What's hey, the worst that can happen? They say no. You know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, brave new world, man. So yeah. before we finish up, um. Normally ask everybody if you have any recommendations of, you know, any particular books or, well, you, you mentioned D'Angelo as, as an artist, um, but any, any anyone else that was particularly inspiring or. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my favorite artist of all time is Marvin Gaye. So if, if I was going to recommend one artist, it would be Marvin Gaye. Just go listen to Marvin Gaye. <laughs> yeah, that's um, enough. Yeah, yeah. In terms of books, uh, there's actually a great book I read recently um, called The Song Factory. I think it's called The Song Factory. Um, it, some, some, some dad uh, basically w- wanted to find out more about what his kids were listening to. Okay. And started researching the songwriters behind all of these pop hits. So it turns out it's like two or three Swedish guys, you know, since... <laughs> Since the nineties, you know, and that's uh, it. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, there's a few different like groups of songwriters, um, people who wrote music for 
like pop hits from the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, up until now, Ariana Grande, and and uh, like a constant stream of like twenty years. Just yeah, it's like the same few dudes writing these songs. It's nuts, and they have all these formulas, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's wild. So they literally write to formulas. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, like a mathematical, you know, almost. Oh my god, um, yeah, it's crazy, uh, but also fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's Max a, Martin is 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 the kind of the main guy. Max Martin, he's uh, his name rings a bell. Yeah, he wrote like I think he wrote "Hit Me Baby" one more time, and maybe some of the other ones. Uh, you know, just I mean, just just check him out in Wikipedia. It's just like a list of just famous songs. Wow, the Song Factory. I think it's called the Song Factory. <laughs> I need to fact check that. Yeah, and 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 then another um, podcast I've been listening to is uh, Switched On Pop where these two American guys are just really enthusiastic about pop music. Yeah. And they they break down pop songs like really total, total nerds, you know. Talk, yeah. Talk about like uh, structure and musicality and, and uh, harmony and lyrics and, you know, they go they go deep. Uh, yeah, Song so. Exploder is another one as well. Song Exploder like is good. Yeah, Song Exploder is good. Um, I, I haven't been um, listening to it too much recently because um, it kind of depends on I mean, even when the song is bad, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I find I found through this podcast, Switch on Pop, I've gotten this. I now, because I used to like really dislike a lot of pop music, and now I always, even if I don't like the song. You I, can listen out for it a bit more. Yeah, or there's even one, maybe there's always one thing you'll like in it. Yeah. You know, even if it's, like I heard a Katy Perry song on the radio the, the other day, and the chorus came on and it was just like oh that's that's really cool what she's doing there with the with the vocal rhythm <laughs> you know and the, uh, um, this, this triplet thing or you know yeah like oh, the rest of the song, song is kind of is kind of like oh take it or leave like it like that but. Janelle Monet song she goes from like a minor third to a yeah to a root but like make in me five feel. tones it's like sexual uh, bender that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah amazing so it's song like, yeah yeah it's that's like wait brilliant. a minute that shouldn't like Michael and they, they so. talk about that in Switch on Pop that exact tune and, and how that's uh, they call it word painting where the the music is kind of um, imitating the 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 lyrical meaning so it's like sexual bender so it's like you, she's I, mean, I think she's talking about the ambiguity of of uh, you know gender and uh, yeah uh, uh, sexual politics or whatever you know Um and the the music is moving down, you know, um, chromatically down the scale. So it's like you're you're not really sure which key you're in now. And oh, all right, yeah, it's kind that's, of, that's really nerdy, but yeah, it's so, <laughs> really it, it, it's cool, so nerdy, yeah. and I'm not even explaining it properly. But but uh, and she maybe. But this is the type of thing that, like, I mean, <laughs> if if you thought about trying to do that, yeah, exactly. She she song. probably didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's kind of what happened. Art, art mirrors life like really subliminal things uh, that maybe you don't think about on a conscious level but but hit you kind of underneath yeah that's very cool I was, I was just watching a uh, I was just watching a YouTube video actually about blocking in which is the the placement of actors in in a scene okay and they can place them differently depending on what point of view the director wants you to follow so if he wants you to see the villain's perspective or the hero's perspective he'll place the cameras differently 
relating to the characters he's put on. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these kind of subtexts. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Different stuff. level. Different level. <laughs> yeah. That's why I loved uh, David Lynch in uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> where it's like he, there's one scene where there's just a, 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 like a giant uh, like moose's head on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're having this normal conversation and neither character mentions it. It's funny. I was <laughs> just like I was just um, expectations. going through the edit of um, Kieran Quinn's podcast, which uh, is out tomorrow. Oh, no way. Well, tomorrow in, in our timeline, <laughs> but it'll be like yeah. last piano, week. Piano player. Yeah. Um, Excellent. So his book recommendation was David Lynch's book. Okay. So yeah. I so actually haven't read it. Background. So, cool. So yeah, check out, um, check that out too. Cool. cool. Nice one. Ah. Thanks very much for coming, man. Really yeah. appreciate it. We appreciate it. We probably could have just yeah. talked for days about it. But this is it. <laughs> yeah. You are listening to From yeah. the Maker to the Maid podcast. Okay.